0: You're listening to Joe List's Mindful Metal Jacket on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket, a podcast featuring me, Joe List. I'm Joe List. I'm here to soothe your little tits. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope that you're doing well We're still quarantining. It's starting to end, though. Someday people will listen to this, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, remember that quarantine? This must have been during that. That's what I hope anyways. Um, How are you doing? How are you feeling? Let me know. Tweet at me. Email me. Instagram. Hope you're doing okay. It's strange. It's unsettling. The unknown, of course. But remind yourself that life has always been unknown. It's just a little different now. Certainly, it's scarier frightening. I'm doing okay. I have anxiety in the morning and at night. Anybody else? Right when I wake up, I feel stressed uh, and anxious, but I do my meditation and I've been going for a run and uh, feeling a little better. But um, And then at night, right as you go to bed, it all hits you. But That's normal. It's just anxiety. That's what I tell myself. And uh, that's a good exercise to say, it's just anxiety. Sometimes you can personify it and say, hello, anxiety. I call mine Jim. Hi, Jim. I made that part up about Jim, but whatever. <clears throat> maybe uh, maybe you can do it. Thich Han talks about that a lot, smiling. I'm holding a Thich Nhat Hanh book in my hand. This one's called Good Citizens, which one, you don't see this one very often, but I have it. I got a whole shelf full of them. Thich Nhat Hanh, Pema Chodron, Tara Brock, Eckhart Tolle. I love Eckhart Tolle. Go to his YouTube. Every day, I'll go to his YouTube and just throw a video on. He kills. He builds the tension so well when he drops a joke. It, like, murders. Eckhart Tolle gets laughs that I'm jealous of. I'm jealous of any laugh now. I'm a fucking... uh, I'm out of work. Anyways, speaking of uh, out of work, we have another comedian (laughs) who's out of work because of the quarantine on the show. Today's guest is a dear friend, Tommy Johnigan. Do you guys know him? If you don't, you should. Um... One of the best comedians ever, I think. Uh, He's got three comedy albums, stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy two, stand-up comedy three. And uh, what else has he got? He's got a couple of Comedy Central specials that I'm sure are on their website. Um, He came in second on Last Comic Standing the year, a year I did, the first year I did it, 2010, that's where we met. And um, we bonded big time. That's a line from the Cable Guy, underrated movie. Um, but then I went on the road with them for years. I featured for them for a long time and, um, I've learned how to do comedy in so many ways. I learned how to do the road a lot. I had toured with, um, Nick DiPaolo previously and some of that overlapped actually. And Gary Goleman as well. I've worked with a bunch of the best comics ever. Those are three of my favorite comics, uh, of all time. And then of course, Louis later who is also one of my favorite comedians. Um, And they're all dear friends now, including Tommy, who is this week's guest. And uh, I've been wanting on the show. I was supposed to record one a while ago. We were supposed to go to the LA Kings, Montreal Canadiens game a few weeks ago, the first week of the quarantine. Supposed to be in LA. He was supposed to do my show at the comedy store. We were going to go to the hockey game, have a cigar and record the podcast. And none of that happened. But now the podcast has been recorded. The cigar will have to wait. The hockey game will have to wait. Uh, We've had a million cigars together. A lot of great conversations. He's one of those friends. Every time I see him, we never have uh, a shortage of things to chat about. He's a great conversationalist, very thoughtful guy, very smart and wise. There's a difference. And also hilarious. And one of the best comedians. I've always been uh, impressed by his ability to be um, connected to what, is funny about him. He just can pump out material and he's a guy that something happens. He just, he just manages to work it out on stage that night. He's uh, very connected to um, himself and his sense of humor. And uh, it's, it's quite a skill. It's, it's something to see. So enjoy this conversation. I enjoyed the conversation. Um, Of course, right afterwards, he was worried that it sucked and that's what makes him Great. It also makes him suffer. We talk about that a lot. Um, we talk some quarantine. It gets a little weird at the end. I brought it to a weird place. We went a little uh, political or um, what's that word? Um, our thoughts, ethics. I can never remember words. I'm bad. But um, we, it gets a little, a little weird towards the end. Um, it turns into just a, the way a conversation might. We are like, what the hell are we talking about now? Hopefully we don't offend anybody with our ideals. Maybe that's what I meant, the political ideals. Um, but we talk a lot about um, what it's like to sell a TV show and shoot a pilot and have it not work out. Tommy was gracious enough to talk about that experience. And we talk about our childhoods and um, his father. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear the conversation. You've already committed this far, so you want to hear them. Um. So enjoy that, and I thank you for listening. I'm trying to grow the podcast a little bit because this might be my only source of income for the foreseeable future. And right now, this podcast uh, does not supply any income. So, but it would if we spread the word a little bit. Maybe um, if you have some friends or family that you think might enjoy it, uh, tell them, email them, text them, tweet them, say hey, give it a shot. Maybe have some friends that are um, fans of Tuesdays with Stories and they think, I don't want to listen to a show without Mark. Understandable. Um, but say, no, no, it's actually pretty good. That's how I picture people describing the show. It's actually pretty good. Uh, I think that because I've gotten that exact review a few times. Any jizz. Tell some people that might like to hear it or might need to hear it. And um, you can do that and you can leave a nice review. You can go on mm-hmm. iTunes Uh, or whatever their reviews are. I think iTunes is the only place. Give it a five-star review. Write a nice little write-up, encouraging people to listen to it. And the show is on YouTube now, audio only. We don't do video, but it's on YouTube if you'd like to enjoy it that way. And you can um, give it a thumbs up or a nice comment or whatever. Anyways, spread the word if you can. I appreciate you. And uh, let me read a little love from Thich Han, the guy that started it all for me, I love Thich Nhat Hanh. I recommend any of his books, this one is from Good Citizens, it's just a random paragraph that I liked we need to liberate ourselves from our too busy lives T-O-O not T-W-O our too busy lives we want to help others but often we are so busy running around we feel we don't have time to do anything else We can help each other prioritize healing the world. We can reorganize our individual and collective lives in order to be with each other in a more intimate and beneficial way. That's what we're going for here on this show. Now, please enjoy this intimate and beneficial conversation with my dear friend, Tommy Johnigan.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Tommy. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I mean, excited. I don't know if you had me. I mean, no, you're. I on. think at this point, it's just anybody anybody that has a Zoom in their house is is a good guest. Yeah, that's who my
1: guests are now. I just text people and like, do you have a Zoom? But here's the thing with the podcast: everybody's
0: fucked up. We all got mental problems. I'm sure we could talk about something. Oh, you could do anybody right now. I yeah. mean, even people that didn't have them have them now. Exactly. Which is something I'm using as like a mantra is when I get super anxious, I tell
1: myself people that didn't have anxiety have anxiety. So people like myself that are riddled with anxiety, we should, it's through the roof.
0: Oh, I can't, I, I, uh, I've, I've always afraid to say I have anxiety because I look at it and this is probably the wrong way to look at it where, um, I think people have like debilitating anxiety and it's uh their life is incredibly difficult and then i think there's also people that uh are just kind of whiny bitches that say it and i feel like that's always disrespectful and i just don't want to be that person
1: see we've talked about this before and this is a this is a problematic (laughs) not to use buzzy um you know millennial terms but i'm a buzzy millennial
0: doesn't it suck that we're millennials isn't that a bummer I think my favorite thing about where we are is um, I was talking to someone who's uh, within a couple of years of of me and they were like, we're not millennials. We're actually Gen X or whatever the fucking the other thing is. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the most fucking millennial thing I've ever heard is you don't you are such a millennial. You don't like being called a millennial. So you changed it to a different name. Like there is another title in between. Whatever it is, and it's like, and no, we're not millennials. We're we're this. It's yeah. just such a bitchy thing to care about. Well, that's because. Well, I feel like you and I, we don't
1: uh, have the qualities of what millennial has come to mean. I was did a show the other day. This guy um, Casey McLean, I think is his last name. He's a Tacoma guy, but and he listens. So I hope I didn't fuck up his last name. But he had a funny bit about he's just uses millennial as like a slur. He's like, I didn't even know it was an age. I just thought it was like a whiny <laughs> asshole. Like he's like, there was some 60 year old guy at the grocery store. He's like, this fucking millennial won't get out of my way. Um, I like it. That's how I think of it. So I don't think we don't have that kind of uh, we're not we're not those kinds of guys. I don't feel like, but
0: we are technically millennials, I guess. But I'm, I'm, I'm millennial to the point where I'm afraid to say I have anxiety. Right. Well, so here's my point about
1: that. And you've said stuff like this before, is that you're like, I think I have anxiety or depression or whatever, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to take from the people that have it. That's a similar mindset I've always had in therapy where I'm like, no, no, my parents are great. They didn't hit me. They're not divorced. My, my upbringing is this. And it what it does is just makes you feel crazier because you're like, oh, I'm a crazy asshole because I don't even have anything negative in my life and I'm still losing my mind. But when you dig a little deeper, you know, there's some fucked up shit. So my point is you probably have
0: anxiety. I I tell uh, Heather, my wife, um, you know, I was like, I don't don't think my childhood's that bad. She knows a lot about me and my childhood, obviously. And uh, she pointed out one time and I had never even thought about it. She's like, you have maybe the best memory of anyone I know. And you're one of the most, if not the most observant person I've ever met. And you have giant periods of your childhood that you can't have. You don't have one memory from like, I don't have memories from many years of childhood. Like I can't drum up a thing. And wow. I do have, I have like parts of it that I'm like, Oh, that was pretty fucked up. But like you were saying, I'm like, nobody hit me a bunch. Uh, I ate. I look at like people who had like, I was living on a street, We lived in a car. Now I'm in the NFL. I'm like, well, that's a rough childhood. I feel like I just had a mediocre bad one.
1: Right. So, mediocre it's, good. It's weird because it, it makes you not want to um, talk about it or share about it or you feel like a, a pussy or whatever. But you, every person's life is their own experience. Like, it's not like you were eight and your dad, whatever, yada, yada, yada happened. And you're like, well, <laughs> you know, Ricky Waters, his mother
0: hit him or whatever. I don't even know what Ricky Waters is. I That's who I came up I'm with. So- I'm so competitive that I'm like, well, I, I don't have the worst one, so I can't beat everyone at their stories, so I just don't say anything about it. If that makes any sense, like it goes for like my childhood anxiety, drink. Like I've had, uh, I've had conversations with you where I'm like, I think I have a drinking problem, but I, it's not bad enough to like go to a meeting. They, they all make fun of me because I don't. I'm not going to win the story part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember this like an old um, AA joke
1: Where the guy um, These two guys are at a funeral And then they're looking at the guy at the casket And he says uh, what what happened And he goes he drank himself to death And he goes oh he was an alcoholic And the other guy goes no he wasn't that bad <laughs> It's like, it like an old, old bit um, But yeah I mean you see why that's problematic Because that's an interesting thing Because you think that way but this this podcast is about mindfulness. you're such a hyper aware guy. You must be aware that that is somewhat problematic thinking, but yet you still
0: feel yeah, that way i am I don't know where it's gonna end. I hope it's all right uh i try to I try to figure it out and I think I don't know what to do because i exist i think I exist pretty um low stress a lot, a lot of my life is low stress, where I've blocked stuff out. It's not like I don't have things to stress about. I just like block it out, and I don't worry about it. And if it comes to a, a stressful situation, I'll just kind of shut, shut it off, and be like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to think about that. But I have, I think, because of that, I have like wild peaks of stress about like one. It, it'll be about one thing, but I probably is about a lot of things. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, I'll go through a thing, and then I'll have a bunch of good days weeks in a row and then all of a sudden something like a little straw that broke the camel's back situation and my heart is beating weird and I'm not able to breathe <laughs> right and I'm getting like tunnel vision and then that'll pass and I'm like oh thank god that's over right yeah I mean that's
1: definitely um suppressed emotion I feel I, like I just had that I was just at Chipotle I'm back on the horse and uh it's like all pickup you order on your phone and then you yeah. go and pick the thing up And it was a shit show and they didn't have my food. And the lady kept being like, what's your name? And I I said the same, my name five times. And then my wife and sister-in-law were outside waiting for me because we were out for a walk. And I had to text them and be like, just go, (laughs) just fucking go, just forget (laughs) it. And I wanted to cry. Like, I feel like a child. I almost started crying where I'm like, they fucking left. I'm not even on a walk anymore. They hate me. And Uh, it's that thing of like, well, this is surely about more than a burrito. Right, Like I'm like That was crazy Like <laughs> my instinct Is to go home Throw the bag down And not even eat it Like mm-hmm. I feel like a child Which I've read Some studies We're all like You know Attached to the children That we are Or whatever That we were oh, what, is that, what does that mean? Like, like there We're
0: kind of like We are as a, we're as a kid
1: Yeah like there's part of us That never really grows up You're still that kid oh. So like You know it's like Not socially acceptable To fall on the floor And like stomping And crying Yeah. You still, you might, you know, stomp out of a comedy club and be like, fuck you guys. Or you snap on the audience. It's like, it's still a very childlike. It's still basically, I'm I'm not getting my way and I'm mad about it. If that makes sense.
0: No, that does make sense. And I think like, just when you're saying it is, uh, my parents got divorced when I was five and I don't have any memories of them being together, but for like a couple funny bits that my dad did, like, my dad uh my, I, have I told you the thing where my dad like made my mom and all of us uh my siblings think that we lived in a haunted house um and no but that's very this? traumatic my dad and it wasn't that's it's like not a traumatic memory for whatever reason like I my mom we lived in a house my dad's a truck driver and then uh she would kind of hear cabinets opening and shutting and then there would be a rocking chair and then you would see like scratch marks from where the rocking chair has been dragged across the floor. And this went on for a while. My mom like had like a person from the church come in and pray over the house. And then <sighs> we, we had to sleep at the neighbors for a little while when my dad was on the road. And then kind of the way he would always do bits is like, at some point for just for me specifically, he would be like, Hey, how's it, how's it going with the ghost joke? type of like he's like hey does your mom really think the house is haunted and I was like we all think the house is haunted <laughs> and he's like oh no I've been so he would like leave to go on the road for days and then just stay in his truck down the street for like an hour until we fell asleep and then come in the house and slam the doors move the chairs around and fuck with his family and I have memories like that but I guess other than that he was like psychotic and 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 uh, was like abusive so I think Part of me comes from like, oh, uh if if things get too serious, I go to like oh let's let's just all do bits and let's like not take it seriously to calm the tension right I, don't, I think I'm talking like an asshole right now, but i I in moments where people are tense, a, I enjoy conflict in general, but if it's two people, and even if it's like parents or bosses or whatever, I'll just be joking around thinking that'll break the tension. Sure. I mean that's
1: that sounds like it's from uh yeah, certainly from childhood, something that you picked up from your father, but that's really interesting that um he was like an asshole or whatever in some ways, or abusive in some ways, but he had good bits like that. But that bit to me is yeah. abusive also. I mean, he's gaslighting and fucking you up like a parent. Oh, yeah. is, a parent's supposed to make a child feel safe, and it sounds like he was doing the opposite with
0: respect well, he did to- one where we were driving down a mountain in the semi truck <laughs> with my stepmom in the sleeper and he pretended like the brakes went out and was like taking the steering wheel and jerking it and we're in a tr- semi truck, is eighty thousand pounds we're going down a, ro- uh, a mountain literally at a, a 90 to 100 miles an hour and he's what he's doing is slamming the clutch to the ground but pretending like it's the brake and we don't know that and the only thing that um the only reason he stops doing the bit is because he starts laughing because my stepmom started crying so hard. Was she crying laughing or crying scared? No, she's crying. We, the two of us thought we were going to die (laughs) and he played the bit out until she started bawling because we were going to die. And he looked at me and winked and pointed that he was doing the clutch instead of the break. So we always had this thing where like, I was taken through 90% of the bit where like, 90% Ninety percent of the time, I thought I was gonna die, and then right at the end, he like lets me in with like a a wink and a smile, and I feel like it's ruined any trust I've ever had in any. I can't trust anybody because of that. Probably.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, there must have been part of you too as a kid that felt like that was like bonding. Like, oh, he let me in on the bits. Oh, so for it's sure, kind of like a connection.
0: But yeah, uh, I know. He, even when he died, I, I had I was talking to. Heather and was very sad obviously and then you know 6 months a year 2 years go by and she's like you do realize that you you only kind of have these great fond memories of your dad and then my mom told her some stories of when he was like wildly abusive she was like he was good to you in a lot of ways but he was also like a horrible guy in a lot of ways and I've just kind of blocked those or moved those over and been like let's not even think about the bad stuff Interesting. Now do you go to therapy? Do you do therapy at all? No. I don't know how to find a person that I trust. Like I don't trust people. And then also it's like um you know, I went at one point uh I went for like 2 or 3 months just like for specifically for like marriage stuff. Right. And I went in and I felt like kind of like I feel right now where I'm like, I'm talking a lot and I'm ruining this experience. And uh, then I got self-conscious. And then also I'd leave and I would be like, well, she didn't say the thing. I I wanted her to say something that made me feel better and like it's going to be okay and make me feel smarter maybe. But nothing was, I didn't feel like I was getting anything back from that person. Right, yeah, that can happen
1: a lot. But it's a process. So it's like a but that's like I think people like us with um similar and I guess a lot of people, most people maybe, want um a simple solution. You want just like an answer and you're like, yeah. "Well, that was bullshit." But it takes time. Like I I've been going to therapy for years, the same therapist for 3 years, and I'll say that I'm like, "I think we just have the same conversation every time." And he's like, "That's what therapy is." And it takes a long time for shit to get through and
0: also sta- i don't know where to who to start who starts it do they ask what a do you question mean? You know what i mean um that's what yeah, bothered that- me. i would go in and i would be like this is what's bothering me today and i would talk about it and there and at no point was she like asking questions about my childhood or and i was like am i just supposed to start saying that shit well women are dumb you don't go to a woman uh, no i'm kidding
1: um i have to say i'm kidding because this is like the serious show, so I have to. Um, yeah, it is weird. Because like I remember the first time I went to this therapist. Now that I fucking love, he's the best, and he was just like, "Why are you here?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. I have panic attack." And then like I try to go in. I'm like, "I don't know. My parents are fine." If that's what you're getting at, and it takes like <laughs> you don't want to just go straight into it, but you, I guess, like really good therapists get there somehow.
0: I don't know. It's like that's where I'm like how do I know if I got if I had to find a real good one. Yeah. Well, this is a I, th- I think this is a hard time to find them too.
1: That's what my therapist said. This is like a hard time to find You mean because of uh
0: the quarantine or just April? <laughs> <laughs> I think um you want to get one in the fall. That's usually the best <laughs> right
1: around Halloween. I think because everyone's in therapy right now, I guess. Everyone's Oh up. yeah, but my therapist is like. The, now, would you see my therapist, the the, the comedy therapist? Because he sees about fifty comics, and a lot of comics are like opposed to that.
0: Would that fuck with you? I mean, uh, I I I think if I were able to get over whatever are the reasons I'm not seeing a therapist, I think I would be fine seeing someone. I would like to see someone who uh, you, you, someone I care about and trust and thinks very smart. Uh, that recommends them, but I don't know why people are against it. And maybe if you told me those reasons, I'd also be against it. I think because I don't. I don't really know either. I mean,
1: I know what people tell me. I think people. Partly, I think people are paranoid that the therapist is going to tell the other people they know what you were saying or something.
0: I think partly... That's a fucking... That's a full... That's one of the best stand-up comedian. That was what I thought it was going to be, <laughs> and I didn't want to say it because I was like, no, that's how... I It's not what I thought, but I got there, and it's a, it's a fucking stand-up thought. It's, w- it's like thinking the audience has heard every bit you've ever done, and they remember all of them. Right, like, right. we're right. important to them. Right. Like, this fucking therapist... It's gonna be it's gonna be you're not gonna believe what Liz told me last week, well, it is weird, like like first of all, I'm like when I go in there,
1: I'm talking about my parents and shit, like I'm not usually in there talking about like you know Dan Soder said this to me, like I'm like, comedy's not even yeah. like comedians aren't even in my process. I mean, maybe occasionally there's an incident or whatever, but I think also it's weird because you come out of the room and like Stavros is sitting there, like it's yeah, sometimes like I'm. It, you know, you walk out and Bob Kelly's sitting there, or whatever. Would this?
0: Would I be able to do? Not that this is the thing, but can you? You're doing this on the phone now. Is that a thing that people do on the phone, even when you're not in a quarantine situation?
1: Um, I think he does some phone. I don't think he likes it, but I think he's going to be working from the phone for a long time now because he's 73 years old. So, and we're in New York. Yeah, so he better be working from the phone, or he's going to be working from you know hell. <laughs> I don't it's know why like. I, I made him go to hell. I'm sorry, for hell. <laughs> but he um, is the best. Th- like he is amazing. I'm, see that to me. That's what I'm saying. Is like that supersedes the oh the comedians go there. Is the fact that I, comedians I love are like this guy is the best. That's what
0: I and because that's the pl- like if you we're we're, we're we're very similar in that we're comedians. And I think there's something similar that makes us want to do comedy and and even if we're different childhoods, different backgrounds whatever it's like that person recommending it to me it would be like if I was a fucking offshore driller and someone was like I got a good back doctor I'm not gonna <laughs> be like god oh, this guy's gonna fucking tell you I got pimples or something <laughs> I want to go to a different back doctor right no well he's he's great but I forget how we even
1: got here but the other oh, thing is like that's something that happens like it takes years to hear the same thing over and over again and that's why like i'm really into meditation and buddhism and eckhart tolle and all these guys and that's why it's called practice because like you have to keep practicing meditation it's not like a thing you just go like oh great i got it which is what we were talking about like i'm always looking for like a pill you just take and I, i no longer have anxiety it's a continuous um battle to accept yeah. to accept that you have anxiety, which even battle I don't like to say because that's like it's more accepting than it
0: is fighting. Then you, yeah, I have. Um, I've noticed like in uh, this weird time we're in right now, where uh, just like generally, and this is, is bad, I assume, or not great. Maybe it is great. It works for me. Where I'm also afraid to go to a therapist because I'm like I've I really do have like blacked out parts of my childhood and um, I'm like I'm pretty functioning without uncovering those and, and figure like and the worry is what if I get in there we start digging and then I go from where I am now which is a little kind of anxious and possibly sad and drinking to like <laughs> uncover so much shit that it just bottoms me out <laughs>
1: Right, I mean, there's that thought, and there's also the thought: what if you go in there and then you completely recover from
0: all the stuff you mentioned right before? I didn't even know that was another thought. I like that thought. Yeah, I mean, that could also happen. But I do, I do have a in my just my whole existence is kind of based on ignoring or just disregarding stuff. Where, uh, and this is not a plug, but I started this podcast because uh, it's it. I just can't watch the news, so I was like, oh, maybe people are like me, and they just not even can't watch it. I ignore it. And I only want to watch like the news or things that make me feel happy. So I, I have this thing where I'm like, Oh, we're just going to do stories that make us happy. And, uh, and then like if there's problems in real life that aren't news that are like about something I should address, I will ignore them because I'm like, I don't want to invite any sadness or anything negative into my life. And that includes like, if I'm worried about money, I just stop looking at my bank statements. Right. Yeah, and I just kind of act like there's no problems.
1: Yeah, I've done the same thing throughout my life. And I said uh, this through my therapist. I feel like I, I could make a good therapist now because I've gone to so much therapy with the best therapist. But I was like that, talking about the same thing about like, I don't want to be sad. I don't like sad things. I don't like. I don't want to think about that because it'll make me yeah. sad. And I don't want to be sad. And then he's like, well, why don't you want to be sad? and it like angered me cuz i'm like well why would i want to <laughs> feel a negative emotion yes and then he was like well if what if your if your mother died would you want to be happy and i was like well no and he's like well what would you want to feel if your mother died and i was like well i'd want to feel sad hopefully i'd be sad and he's like there you go so there is like you do
0: want to feel sadness well, and it this is a is natural feeling i want i i'm pretty I want to get this guy on the phone and be like, it's not what I meant. Like if my mom dies, I'll be sad. I'm not going to like close the coffin and be like, we're going to Applebee's. I I'm just like, I don't want to invite this, this shit into my world, like watching the news or looking at a bank statement when I can't, I can't just make more money out of nothing. So I'm like, well, can't worry about like anything that is avoidable. I will avoid. But if your mom dies, there's somebody like that is you you're sad. And then I think it maybe helps to push all that other sad stuff away, um, I suppose. But
1: he might argue, not me. All right. He might argue that that's what you're doing with these childhood memories is pushing them away. And those are things you might actually want to feel sad about, because yeah. then you can identify where this because what I have and I, I imagine you have, too, is this vague sadness where i'm going i'm sitting in an apartment that's fucking killer and i have uh, i still have money in my bank fortunately and i have the best job but i have this vague emptiness continually through my life where i'm i just feel sad for no reason and then i get mad at myself for feeling sad for no reason and one of the things with therapy is to explore the reason because to me finding out that I'm sad because maybe I didn't get what I needed from childhood or from my family or whatever it is, is better than feeling sad for no reason. Cause that's what makes you feel psychotic
0: of like, I'm sad and I shouldn't yeah, be sad. I get, I get like that. And then, um, my worry is what, what if this is just something that's in me? And then I worry about if I have passed that on to my kids of like, uh, if they're just going to be sad for no reason when they grow up, if if like depression is genetic or so, I start to worry about that. And then that makes me more sad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, my therapist believes, but some people say he's fucking wrong and stupid, but I, I like him, um, is my therapist believes that most things are learned behavior. So it's not necessarily, or, and this is like oft debated, um, but some people like he's a believer that all of our habits have been picked up, like from your your sense of humor from your dad yeah. or your your temper from your mom or dad or whatever it is. Um, but so if your kids are experiencing you sad, if you're sitting, you know, watching TV and crying or whatever, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> they might. But I I it seems to me, and I've talked about this on other podcasts that making sure, and I'm going to use another millennial buzz term, making sure your kids feel seen and heard is the most important thing to having your kids not feel sad and empty. That's what it seems to me. I'm I am very, not a parent.
0: Oh, I'm very aware of that. And mm-hmm. my I make sure that, like, um, you know, if it's a little, uh, you know, thing that people would call a temper tantrum or they're being in kind of just a baby or, you know, crying. But I'm always like, Acting as though whatever they're upset about is as important to me as it is to them. Right, and uh, I, tr- you know, I try not to be just like sad. I don't think they see me just being sad around them. Uh, <laughs> the worst thing is, and w- th- if I were to go to it there, but the number one thing I would be trying to figure out or fix is why I go from like b- almost like at a zero to a hundred. As far as like being mad, it's not often, but it's the thing. It's kind of one of the reasons I needed to take a break from touring where like an audience member would say something and I would be like, You're fucking out of here. Get out of the room. I'm not doing the show until this guy's gone. And sometimes I'll get that with my kid where like they'll ignore me or do something that is like, I think genuinely disrespectful, whether it's ignoring or like you have to say it five times. And then I just kind of get really, really mad. And I've never, You know, I don't think I have to say this, but I'm never going to like touch my kids fucking in a mad way. But I'll yell, and then like right after, I'm like, "Why the fuck am I this mad about the leaving the back door open?" Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like the Chipotle thing I was talking about earlier. It's probably something else. Um, Just real quick, I do want to say this. I want to amend something. Like. Also, I think it's probably good occasionally to have your kids see you sad, so they understand (laughs) that like you can be sad, and that's an emotion to connect to it. Because I think it's also detrimental. Like my family, I've never seen a man fucking cry, (laughs) so I felt like you're not supposed to cry, and I still can't (laughs) cry now. So it's a weird balance. My thing with having kids is like something's gonna—they're gonna be a little fucked up somehow, no matter what you do. So you have to, you have to accept that there's going to be some amount of, uh, you know, problems because the world is
0: a, an unsafe place. So they're going to feel some, and it's a sad guess, thing. I'm sure they've seen me cry for, I mean, my daughter, my oldest daughter was in the room when my, I got the call that my dad died and I started crying and she was very sweet. And, you know, I think we're like very cool with uh, emotions. Like if it's, you feel it. I'm trying to think if I've actually been Like really sad and for, I I cry a decent amount But in kind of Those like in a sad sweet part in a movie You know We we saw um Coco In the theaters and I was a real Fucking tears were just flowing And yes. my daughter was sitting on my lap And uh, just turned around And goes are you crying <laughs> And I was like I thought we were both I literally I was like I thought we were both crying <laughs> And uh, she wasn't and then we were watching one of these things. There's a documentary about the guy that did Bikram Yoga. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. Did you watch that? Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, bad and person. And at the end of the thing, towards the end, um, it was uh, this woman was reading a letter that she had gotten from a woman that was 18 years old that this guy had. Assault, sexually assaulted or uh, abused or whatever. And she read this letter from this... And she was like, I feel bad because I was the head of security at the time. And as she's reading the letter, I was like, this poor woman at 18 years old. And I was just watching it and then went to like bawling. (laughs) And as I... Because I felt it like bubbling. And then uh, I think what I yelled was, that's too much! Or this is too much! (laughs) And just... Start going crazy and Heather's watching next to me and she turns around and not that I need support but she just gives me this look and she goes I think something happened to you when you were a kid <laughs> Well, and I was like I don't know I think it was just I have two daughters this is a real sad
1: thing well maybe it's good that you're connected but that sounds to me like the exact thing you described before but with a different emotion going zero from a hundred cry is very similar to yeah. going from zero to a hundred anger and um, so again I'm not a professional therapist but I I'm just I'm just good enough to point out that that seems like a connection those seem
0: like similar um And what's that? Reactions. So there's a, you try to figure out the why there's no build or
1: <laughs> yeah, well why it, it
0: swings like that
1: Yeah it seems like it's all just right under the surface and it's like a raw I think I think that you have some raw emotion probably from childhood probably from whatever you um blacked out um But it might be, and this is what I have for probably different reasons, is the feeling of unprotected. You felt unprotected because your father is making it seem like your house is haunted, that you might die. So when you (laughs) see someone else getting treated or talking about being unprotected, it's upsetting. And someone in the audience, it might seem like they're fucking with you the way your father fucked with you. And it's angry, like when someone's heckling. To me, it's personal. I'm, I'm doing this thing and you're fucking with me.
0: Well, we've done enough shows together. I'm sure we've talked about this, but that is the line for me: is I make an instant judgment as to whether someone is is having fun and talking to their friend, or having fun and trying to make the show fun by yelling out to me, or if they are disrespecting me. And if it's if they're being fun, I will have fun or politely be like, "Hey, you gotta, you know, we're winding down. Thank, whatever." But if I think they're disrespecting me, I go. But I, get, I immediately go like this is fucking not happy. You're not gonna disrespect me. And it's just my call at the time and it's instant.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen it and I've had the same <laughs> I've had the same thing. No, there's definitely been times where I'm like, Oh, this guy's got this is this is crazy. This is uncomfortable. Um But yeah, that's that's there's I, something there, certainly.
0: Yeah. I, I it's always it's like I can't just blame my whole childhood or, or whatever. But you just said the thing about like not feeling protected. It it is like, uh, well, like I said, I think I'm a child that was like average bad, but it was a, like <laughs> I went to twelve schools in six years or something like that, and you know we're just like bouncing around from houses and and uh, until my stepdad came along, it was just like, uh, shitty apartments and trailer parks and housing projects, and then I'd live with my dad and it would be fucking crazy, uh so I think there's like a little, the, at any moment, I feel like the entire, everything's going to be just pulled out from under me. Like, in we've talked about this a lot with comedy where like, I always think I am I'm about to be out and never make money again. I'm thinking that right now. Like, it's over. I'll never make money again. Nobody thinks I'm good. I've somehow tricked everyone to get to this place. And now, now the trick is over. Yeah. I've, I feel that way
1: all the time too. I'm getting better with therapy and that's that part of that thing my therapist is always saying is like the disconnection from reality where i feel like and it seems like you might too feel like i got lucky somehow I've, i'll always say this to him like i'm so blessed and i'm the luckiest yeah. guy and he's like stop saying that and like he, first of all he's like an atheist but he's like stop, blessed he's like <laughs> you created this and he's right it's like it's not like we're blessed or we're lucky we worked hard we're very talented people and it we created it these are things we created your your wife your children your home your shows it's something that you did and somehow it's like we don't want to credit ourselves and that it it's bad to put it in this the hands of fate or god or whatever because it's like we did this and if something goes wrong we'll handle we'll handle that also like if comedy ceases to exist we'll figure out another way to make a living. Just like we got here.
0: Yeah. We'll do I, I mean, that. I, I had this, this last show that I'd sold at, uh, Fox or whatever. And probably it was like, probably like the most authentic and real and funny. And the best thing I've ever written. I'm not saying it was good, but I was like, <laughs> this is it. And, uh, when we sold it, it was like three different networks were trying to buy it and blah, blah, blah. And then when they Decided they weren't going to make it. It was it was shocking to like uh, everyone involved, but to me, I really I got the call and I thought I was going to be really sad, but I just went to a place and uh, I I I felt like I was like oh I figured it out and I text Heather I was like I think I'm just from like loser stock I'm from bad stock my DNA is not built to succeed in the ways that I want to succeed and i'm i've surpassed where i'm supposed to be so that's just like kind of i'm you know it's like a fucking livestock where they're like yeah this one's shitty put it in the shitty pile and i just kind of like did well for being a shitty cow and now it's it's over
1: <laughs> um yeah i mean those are things that i think you should work on because obviously you're tremendously talented you must be somewhat you're smart enough and wise enough to know it seems to me what you think is similar to like almost like an OCD thing where you think if you start acknowledging that you're great and extremely talented and successful, somehow that will take away the thing that got you to
0: be here. Um, which is, which is not the case. Yeah, you're... That may be right, but I've always thought of it in a way of um, if I say, that I'm good, I'll f- I'm. I, I I don't know. If I'm embarrassed. I think it's embarrassing because if I say, you know what, I'm really, I'm really good. I th- I, which I don't know who would ever say that. But even like going, like I had a really good set. Like if I walked off stage and was like, I fucking murdered. The next thought would be how embarrassing because I said I murdered and now everyone that heard me is going to get together and be like, he thought that was fucking murdering. This guy sucks. I'm just embarrassed of whatever level. I feel like uh, my luck and blessings and stuff like that have gotten me to a place and, and we have a life and eventually people will stop giving me chances and then I'll I'll be proven right. Like if it doesn't work, at least I'll be right. Right. Oh,
1: that's see, that's interesting. I mean, that's kind of like how I feel with OCD and hypochondria. Is that I'm always like I have cancer, and everyone's like, "That's ah, probably just something else." And then I'm like, I part of me wants to be sick or have be- just so I could be like, I fucking told you. Nobody believed me when I told yeah. them I had eyeball cancer. There's that <laughs> part of that that ego that wants to be. Uh, correct. I just don't something.
0: want to be, you know, the last one to know. Like, if if I suck, I don't want to be the last guy to find out. I want to be the guy that pioneered the movement that I suck. But here's what's interesting: you
1: must know that you are skilled and good because, like, when somebody's talking in a show, you get upset because you're like, "Hey, what the fuck is this? I'm working here." Like, because I've talked about this before, like, I'm always like, I use this with comedy, and with um, relationships Like in comedy I'm like ah, I suck I'm, not, I'm just a hack Nobody I'm just writing These dick jokes But if someone else Said that I'd be like What are you insane I fucking kill Every show Yeah And i felt this way In relationships Where like I'm like I can't believe This girl is with me Like I'm a piece of shit I fuck My teeth are crooked I have herpes And I could go on But and then if, <laughs> if she's like I'm leaving you my, Immediately it shifts To like What are you crazy Like I'm, I'm the so best thing that's ever I'm happened so to you. good to you I'm Like I'm so funny, I'm making you laugh. So there is this weird thing where we hate ourselves. But if somebody else questioned your skills, I feel like you're like, what are you not? I mean, maybe if fucking you know Jerry Seinfeld said something, it would hurt your feelings. But
0: I think like the disrespectful. I mean, I have like uh, uh, I like to make social. I don't know social justice. Like I don't like that people just walk around. Uh, being rude to people, flipping people off and having no consequences. And when I'm on stage, that's the that's the that's one of the times that I have to be like, you can't just fucking be rude to people. And it's not even about me. Maybe it is. But I yelled at a Wendy's manager at an airport one time because he was so mean to the w- girl working the register because two guys in front of me order and each of them after they order, they come up and they're like, actually, I don't want any pickles. So she turns around and she goes, can you get no pickles on the Whopper? And then the next guy orders and steps aside he's like, actually, can I make that a large fry? And she's like, can you make that a large fry instead of a medium fry? And this manager walks over and I'm just in line at a Wendy's at an airport. And he was like, just yelling at her in a such a mean way. And then he like threatened her to take the shift away if she made another mistake. And I just, I scream very loudly. I go, hey, bub. (laughs) These two guys changed their orders after they put it into the register. You can't talk to her like that. You're not going to do it. And then he looked at me and he looked at her and then she came up and she said thank you. And I have, I'm not even joking, like many, many of these stories where I've just gotten in conflicts to just correct social, like... Like, we can't just be assholes and get away with it. Yeah,
1: I've experienced it and it's great. It's like, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> Batman. Um, but that's it's a similar thing. It's like somebody miss being mistreated. I mean, which again it comes from it seems like it comes from childhood. I feel of like you connected that to my childhood
0: in a way that I've never thought in ever of well, like people being mistreated it really bothers me. And when I even when I say it, I'm like. What's a shitty stupid thing to say because people being mistreated bothers everybody I think like why why am I special in that well but
1: you're taking this uh, action so it seems like it's extra like some people might just be like that was crazy but you're like I got to step in here so I think that's part of your uh trauma I'm guessing again I'm not a therapist I'm a comedian uh most of clubs <laughs> so um but I mean that's like my Amateur thought But I've picked up a lot I've read a lot of psychology books Um, I want to ask about this Um, This this happens every podcast I get down to one little battery sliver And I start shitting my pants Because I'm like I don't want to lose this But it will last But anyways I want to talk about this Because you've had a few shows That got sold And then ended up not being made But you also shot a pilot That was I was there for And it was tremendous I thought it was hilarious And I thought you were great and then these pilots, it doesn't, didn't get picked up, so it never airs. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, like, that's more heartbreaking than never selling a show. What, take, take me through what is that, or people through, what that's like. Because it, it reminds me of Rudy when he's on the team and the, his brother says, uh, it's pretty simple. Every Saturday we watch Notre Dame, we watch everyone run out and we don't see you. And he's like, no, but I'm on yeah. the team. I mean, that to me is what that... That feeling in the movie is like the most heartbreaking scene because his brother's like, I don't even believe that you're on the team. Yeah. Is that I think a it, good
0: analogy? It, um, I think what you said about it being more devastating than not selling is probably true just in the sense of like... um, You know, that show in particular, Um, I it was very calculated in every move of like, I met with a bunch of, uh, I wrote it, I co-wrote it with a couple of guys, Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, but I met with a bunch of people. I met with them first and I was like, these are the fucking guys. And then I met with like 20 other very experienced, very like big resume writer guys and was like, no, it's those guys. I was right. It's those guys. And then we, added Bill Lawrence who had done like scrubs and all this other stuff. And then the same situation we sold it and it became this like bidding war between these two, you know, NBC and CBS, like massive bidding. It was the biggest comedy sale of the season. And then we write it and they say, Hey, we're going to shoot this. And I was, I, in hindsight, I never enjoyed, uh, I was never in the moment enough. I feel like, for something that may only happen once in your life, I really regret not uh, taking a second to be like, this is kind of a big deal and um, it's special and it's nice. And I only looked at the negatives throughout the whole thing, basically. (laughs) And then we shoot it and it seemed like there was a chance it was going to get on TV. And it was basically a sitcom kind of based on my real life uh, with my parents as characters and then a a wife Uh, it was like a, my everybody loves Raymond type thing. Right. And then when it didn't happen to me, I'm not an idiot. And I've, I've would been in stand up for long enough that, and that was the one like they saw my special on comedy central and they were like, yeah, we want to do a show around this guy. I was like, you don't get like five of these. You don't get a bunch of chances. You get zero one maybe two chances to have a sitcom based on your real life as a comedian and at the time I had just um we, we had just found out we were having a second daughter and I was like, oh my God this is gonna be great I'm gonna be able to be home I'm gonna be making this sitcom money and then it was just all gone and then I was like well it sucked because it didn't get made everybody hates me and thinks I suck I'm never gonna get another chance and and not even being like, uh, overly negative. I, I mean, as it's I'm there's a 99% shot that I never get to write and be in a sitcom ever again. It's like that was the shot, and it's over, and it was brutal. It was it was really hard. Uh, but I I give myself like I generally like once I get super sad or super upset, I just go, all right, let's feel this for, and I pick an amount of time that I think is fine. And I go, I'm going to allow myself three weeks of being just a bitchy, sad guy. And then I have to think of the next idea because I have a family. Yeah, I mean, that seems pretty
1: healthy to me. I mean, to me, again, that's like, it It feels like you're a, a pretty healthy guy to me mentally in that you are connected to those feelings. Like, to me, it would be less healthy to just be like, fuck it and then forget about it you kind of sit there allow yourself to feel sad like we were talking about earlier that is something to be sad about I hope that you spent time uh feeling proud of yourself also though and not just a failure because the show was great and I always think like obviously like Seinfeld which is the best show ever to me um like Jerry is a is bad in it like he's like a bad i mean he's good he's funny but he's not a good actor i thought you were like tremendous in the show like a a great actor and i thought it was super funny and i don't even like sitcoms um so it was a job well done and the rest is do you just kind of feel like well it's political or there's kind of not necessarily political but like they can only pick a couple of shows it's not yeah there was
0: other reasons and and um you know, it was the first year in 12 years that CBS didn't buy any multicam sitcoms. Like in front of a live audience, they just bought single cams and those are not on the air anymore. Um, so it was like the, uh, the, the reason like that where you're like, oh, fuck. This is maybe too much inside baseball, but CBS is like a multicamera network, like the biggest shows of the last 10 or so years, 15 years have been multicams on CBS. That's where they've made all their money. So you're having having a multicam on CBS and the network that did Everybody Loves Raymond and King of Queens. Not that I'm as good as those two guys, but I am a comedian and it is a sitcom in front of an audience to go, oh, I couldn't even do it there. You know what I mean? Right. I I do wish, like you were saying, like taking a second to be proud. As I look back, and it's not even because I go, it actually was really good. It's because I don't think I'll get that chance again. I'm like, I wish I had enjoyed it more in the moment. And, you know, every, you know, now I sell a show and the one that I had this year, like really meant something to me and was special. I was like writing, it's crazy to write my dad at 35 years old. And kind of like that was a character in the show. And I had his voice down and the jokes. I had like many, many lines that are just things my dad said that I remember. And, uh, you know he's dead, so he's not going to have any more of those lines. <laughs> right. So I was like special, but then you know the show I sold the year before, I just had an idea that I was like, I bet I can sell this, and then they didn't pick it up, and I was like moving on. But right. And the one this last year hurt, and I wasn't even in that. One. I wasn't supposed to be in it at all. Right. See, I have uh, not that I'm like special, but I I feel
1: like in com like comedians a lot of times don't want to feel sympathy for people that get to your level and then aren't allowed to take it or aren't you know granted the um privilege of taking it to the next level to like have your own sitcom. Comics are like, yeah, but at least he got that. I mean he got paid for that. I'm over here at whatever bar show. <laughs> to me I'm like, yeah, but can't you see how painful that would be? Yeah. I mean that's what I feel is like that's more painful than like I said to just be a feature
0: act for your whole life. And it's the one thing that, um, I try to, you know, I don't want to be an asshole and kind of bitching and, and people are like, I'm in a bar show this fucking, like people are going to hate me for talking like this. I I, I, I brought you to this spot. (laughs) Um, but honestly, I I think of, I'm just kind of like defending the fact that I can be this way about it is, um, I've always like, if if my if i start to do better when i started doing better at stand up i raised my quality of life and my i always had like my um my means uh would grow with my salary so it's not like i'm living in the same 400 dollars apartment when i was a middle like i've gotten myself to a point this is my where i am just in my own brain where uh i haven't toured in 4 years so if tomorrow they said you're not a TV writer, I would also not be a comedian that could make money. I could go to the improv and try to build up an act, but and I live in a place I wanted my kids to have a yard, uh, um, and we live in a place in LA and we have a yard and it's very expensive. And I, I'm making TV writer money, but like I need to make that. And if my my fear is they go, we're, you're not a TV writer, you're a comedian, we just let you do this for four <laughs> years, and they that stops happening, then there's like, I'm upended, and the, like, the rate that I would go into debt would be like 10 times more than when I was a touring comic. Right, I was just talking about this
1: with the um, quarantine pandemic. I was talking to a friend, and I was like, man, I feel really bad for this guy. And he was like, well, that guy he's got money, he has a house, but I'm like, well, he has a, a house and a mortgage and two cars, like, and a wife and a kid. Yeah. So he's losing all this money. Like, it's not like he can just be homeless. He has to be homeless with his wife and child now too. So I think, I don't know what made me think of this. I think people should have uh, empathy for all People, I guess, is what I'm getting. Oh, I'm with at.
0: you. I've, I've had. I was having this talk with someone the other day of like when the, uh, the stimulus checks stopped at a hundred thousand dollars, or hundred twenty thousand dollars. I was like, so someone who like busted their ass and they make a hundred sixty thousand dollars and they bought a house at the end of a cul de sac that they've been making payments on just fine and they have a few months in the bank for savings. Like they don't deserve to have help right now like they just because they bought a nicer house because they earned it now just get to be homeless in four months right yeah they
1: didn't they weren't living above their means before they it's not like they were an asshole yeah. that was making 30k and bought a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house yeah they got hit with this pandemic bullshit not bullshit obviously it's really happening but this bummer and uh now they're in a tough position i i i feel that way obviously i feel Empathy also for people that had no money beforehand as well. I mean, now we're yeah, in a I weird Yeah, we're trying to help spot. everybody. Yeah, we should try to help everybody. I mean, everybody. that's
0: the thing is, every, you know, every time somebody passes on a show that I've sold, I'm like, you don't realize how many people you fucked right now. Because <laughs> when I have money, I'm helping everybody. Right.
1: I agree. So I'm you're, you.
0: I guess you just didn't, you didn't want to pay for that funeral on GoFundMe, huh? Yeah, I was going to help
1: everybody. You fucked me. Do you feel overwhelmed right now during this? With like, because you're someone you like to help. You're very. Um, why do I always forget this word? Generous. You're a very generous guy. Doesn't it feel overwhelming with how many people are going well, to be in need, not just sick, but yeah. financially?
0: I went on a, and this is just because you're asking, and uh, I feel like an, like whatever. I went on a thing at the beginning where I was like, uh. You know, someone on Facebook that I don't know or something, it, it, I would be like, GoFundMe this and then Finmos and donations. And uh, whether it was like comedy clubs or people, or I I literally did like, uh, like right before this, there was like a, a, a very uh, kid's funeral in fucking Ohio that I just covered on GoFundMe. And I just do these things quietly And I don't want anyone to kind of know, or I don't want to do a thing about it. And because of that, there was no one as as weird as it sounds. There was no one to be like, Hey, you got to slow down. So I did it to a point that it created like two huge uh, pieces of anxiety in my life. One being like, I am fortunate enough that I do have some money in the bank to help these people. And on the other hand, if I help too many people that, the amount of time i can live off that money keeps shrinking i yeah it was I, it was a wild time where i was like fuck i have it now but if i do like now let's say i have like enough to cover my family for a year I I'm I could have been at 18 months. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly
1: what you mean. I feel the same way. I was doing similar things, probably on a slightly uh, lower scale. But you start to I have feel so bad for even like saying that I was doing nice things for people. It's a real no. It's great. Well, you have to look <laughs> at it from the standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint from that. That makes other people want to do that to me. Like I have a friend. I mean. Louis is a friend of mine who's like outraged who people hate obviously but like he is outrageously generous and it becomes contagious it makes you want to do that yeah people only do good things because they saw or heard about other people doing said good things and they're like "Boy, i should do that that seems nice and it makes uh everybody feel better so good on you for doing those things but don't run out of money doing it <laughs> um But it is that for people that want to help people, it becomes overwhelming because you're like, fuck, everybody's going to be in trouble.
0: It's going to be trouble. And then it's just, um, I think it's like, take care of yours. And if you have some, then help other people. Don't, you know, it's like, I guess you have to have your own personal idea of what that would even be. And I mean, a lot of things is like, once this is over, if if you can be around people like there's like you can you can donate your time you know what i mean like if you don't have enough money but you have some time you can donate your time in in different ways helping people and uh the, the we're in like a fucking crazy time where we don't know how this is gonna go but um you know i got like i got like really upset at the beginning when they were shutting it down um just like worrying about kids that were in horrible situations that would go to school and be away from it, or that's where they could eat. And like, I'm sure your, your place is doing it too, but LAUSD, the school district here is like, you can still get those meals. Like those kids that needed those free meals can still get them. But then I'm like, well, how are they getting to the, and that like, I, there, that got to a point where I was like, well, I don't even know know what I could do right now because there's, it's not a a system that you could donate to and you can't volunteer because they don't want people around and it you just had to get to the point where I'm like well I guess these kids are just getting the shit beat out of them and I'll do nothing <laughs> right that's what that's the thing is like
1: and it's a weird balance between and I got us into this weird place and I apologize but we'll come out of it but it it's this weird balance of trying to not have all the world's problems on your shoulders and not think you can cure everything and solve everything because that's bad for you mentally because it's, it's just not uh plausible or not not doable but yeah. you also want to do what you can and then it becomes overwhelming thinking about what's the best thing for you to do i feel that way with a lot of things the environment and all this shit of like you recognize the problem but what can i do
0: to help but i guess it's good on us that we even want to help yeah i mean i mean so many people it, that's where you're you know you see that like uh the CEO of company X or whatever made $150 million last year. And you're like, man, hopefully that guy, and I, you know, it's a made up example, but like, hopefully that guy is giving a bunch of that away. Right. I'm someone that I'm very torn because I like the idea of making a lot of money. And I think people should be able to make a lot of money. And I don't know what the line is, but I do think there is a line that is, it's like, you know, $120 $120 billion for Bezos? Like, it does feel like they should just make him give $20 a billion? $100 billion? Like... He shouldn't have that much while his company's laying people off and we don't have insurance and shit. Yeah, I agree. That's
1: what's tricky. And now we're just turning this into like a weird political ah, thing from two idiots. But I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing that's interesting is like, I understand the argument of against socialism of like, you can't just tell people they have to give yeah. their money away. And I'm like, okay, I agree. Yes, I see why that's problematic. But come on, that guy should fucking give his money away. What the fuck here? Like, <laughs> no. I, can't he just pay for like
0: 50 projects uh, to just live? You know, I don't know. I wish I was smart enough to understand like the whole, they're like, oh, I'm, when, um, what what do you call it? When they're like, when I die, I'm giving 90% of it away. Uh, it's whatever it is. It's like Warren Buffett did it. Bill Gates. All of yeah. these super rich guys are like, hey, when I die, of my wealth 95% of my wealth Is going to this charity Or these charities And I'm like Why is it when you die Like you're old as fuck now Right Why can't Wouldn't you want to Bring the big check Down to the office Right Right.
1: Have a moment Right I mean that is the thing Where Something like this Makes Socialism make sense And I understand I mean our our buddy Greg Hahn Who's a friend of mine Who makes me laugh Talking about He gave you financial advice And then he never heard From you again And it makes me (laughs) laugh so hard
0: (laughs) But, like, <laughs> we did. that was partly my fault, but it wasn't because of that. But it was mankind stock. I don't know if he's still plugging it, but uh, he wh- got me in pretty deep into this stock that <laughs> won't go away but won't make any money. Yeah, that's, that's, like, that's exactly what he says, except he says it hilarious. Like, that's like one of the he's, funniest he's, guys he's, on the planet.
1: It's crazy. Um, super funny, but we we argue politics a lot, and he was the first one that it made sense to me to be like, yeah, but if you have money, like, like you know you you buy dinner like you've bought me lunch three times and he's like well voluntarily i'm buying you lunch and you're my friend it's where it becomes yeah. like you have to give this up so i understand that part of it but you're like well how about everyone just voluntarily gives it's i feel that way with like guns where it's like no guns should be legal it's an amendment but like how about you just voluntarily we just all don't have guns uh, but we volunteer but now again, we're down this weird fucking but, non-mindful yeah. metal jacket. I
0: don't want to have a gun debate here, but sorry, I took us into a weird. place. I, 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 mean, I don't know. I first of all, I feel like I've been bombing this whole time, and now uh, now I'm also. Uh, I I feel like it is part of me. Like I uh, I just don't. I'm not a big gun person. I don't. I don't want to make gun people mad because they have guns, but. Uh, <laughs> Am I bombing? Am I? Is this bombing? No, it's great. I feel like I just
1: took (laughs) us into a weird spot, but um, now it just feels like we're at the cigar bar.
0: I mean, how much do you miss the V cut on Melrose? (laughs) I miss. I miss hanging out there. I mean, as weird as it sounds, like that. That's the. That's one of, if not the only place where I'm like, fuck. I wish I could just go there. I'm not a big. I don't like going out a lot. I'm not a club or a big. I can. I kind of could exist where. If this wasn't happening, there would be many days where I would only go to the V Cut cigar shop and come home and feel fine. Right. So the only difference is now I can't do that, and I'm around my family the the entire time for every second of every day. Um, did you want to say your thing about guns, or is it better to just be off the topic? I don't have a thing about guns. I just don't like them, and uh, I I think I don't have a thing. I'm going to get in trouble. I think I'm just so <laughs> not a gun guy. And uh, I don't want to argue with people on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Same. All right. Well, I mean, we got we to gotta wrap it up soon. I, think, I feel like I took it into weird places
1: of um, <laughs> donation and guns. How are and you gregon. doing? I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm having a lot of anxiety. My anxiety, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, has switched from originally it was getting sick and dying and my parents dying. And now it's switched to global economic collapse. That's yeah. my big anxiety now. Um,
0: I got to stop getting on Twitter. I saw one tweet and it just had the Great Depression in the headline or the second Great Depression in the headline. And I could I was like, couldn't breathe, couldn't. So I had to, like, sit down. I was sweating. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea of a Great Depression. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound great to me. And
1: uh, <laughs> it sounds depressing. But. Yeah, I, I have the same thing. I, I think about it and I get sad and scared. And I'm like, I'm not a smart guy, but I just keep saying. I'm like, I don't know how. I've I've switched into like Sweden is just doing nothing. Like they're just like everyone just go out, avoid the old people. And um, I don't know. I think the problem this is going to be sort of political-ish too. But I think the problem is both sides want to declare their own victory. Oh, yeah. And so it makes neither side want to have an actual solution or help the other side. But um, back to how I am. I'm doing okay, but I definitely have uh, anxiety about the unknown of like, when am I going to be able to make money again? And um, when is life going to be normal? It's it's scary. How are you and Sarah? We're great. Well, our apartment, we have a downstairs now. So we have a big apartment. So we each go, we basically go to work. Like we'll take turns going, one of us will be upstairs, one's downstairs, and we're writing. Oh, man. And then we get back, we're watching a bunch of movies and having a nice time. And uh, we're still having sex, which is good.
0: Oh, so, that must be nice. Uh, we have. <laughs> uh, I just—I—I didn't marry a quarantine wife. Uh, I got got a fucking, you need to leave one. Of, uh, I was, this is a, a thing, I don't know if this is a, Uh, for the mental health, but we, as a relationship, I I was touring for 45, 50 weeks a year and we were great. And then I come off the road and start writing on a show and we don't do anything to adjust. Like we don't, all that private time that we had to ourselves uh, we don't do anything to like fill that void. We're just around each other. And then I'm home writing. And then the next evolution was this just being here every every day and not being able to leave and and you know a big thing that I said to her the other day is I'm like you can't act like you're the only one being quarantined like every every time it comes up it's it's a complaint and I'm like yeah I fucking I don't enjoy this either right and I said uh I said uh I, I, we were in the middle of a thing and I was like I have to deal with all the shit you have to deal with plus you is the <laughs> difference here. I said that on The Biddington Show, and uh, I was like, this is a good way to start a fight. I only said that because I don't want to seem like I'm doing bits on your show, but it was one of the, in the moment, most cathartic things I've ever said, but not a smart thing to say. Yeah. So are you guys okay now, or? I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Um. Yeah, we've had a couple little things, but nothing nothing too serious. But that's all part of it. But that is an interesting thing you said because I'm like, I, Sarah would come on the road with me all the time. But I'm used to be on the road every week. I started doing, you know, 45-ish weeks. And then the weeks that I'm not on the road, I'm still going somewhere to visit yeah. friends or family. Um, and a lot of times Sarah would come with me. But that's an interesting thing about this. I'm used to being around people more, but also isolated more. Like, usually, like, half my nights are alone in a hotel. Like, and, and days, too. Usually, I'm killing days by myself. So, I actually have, like, yeah, less alone time in a weird way.
0: Yeah, um, this quarantine, as um, if I were single, I think a road comic would have, being a road comic would have prepared me for what it's like. Right. And it, you're also someone that, you know, we on tour, I always say this, like, you or able to kind of appreciate life. It seems like in anywhere you are and you always made anywhere, anywhere that we went together, you all, you made, you make everywhere better. You make any experience better. And, uh, I was wondering what that's like now that you kind of have to staying inside It's like, cause you seem like someone that likes you like to enjoy and experience new things. And you're, it's like, uh, all the anxiety aside, it's kind of a ball of positivity and life is great. Thanks, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so it's just when you're not able to go. Are you are you experiencing that in your house of like through Instagram or movies? Well,
1: I'm trying to do that through a movie. First of all, I appreciate that. That's really nice. It makes me feel good. Um, I like people to hear that. Uh, but I'm trying to do that with movies. Like people recommended the Criterion channel, which is like the uh, Criterion collection, like this movies that are all art house and foreign films and stuff. And so Sarah and I have been watching a new foreign film every night, which has been really fun. I'm watching all these movies that I pretended that I had watched, like Fellini films and, you know, Birdman yeah. and stuff. And so I'm doing that, and then we're trying to make videos. Sarah's doing a little one-minute film festival, and I'm writing a book and a movie, which I always wanted to do. And You're trying- writing a
0: book and a movie? Yeah, I'm doing every other we day. Gotta t- I mean, we probably after the pod, but we got to talk about that. I want
1: to talk about that. I might have to wrap this up, because I'm down to one battery here. This is the longest one we've right. ever done. Oh, God, that's not good for me. But let's... <laughs> That was great. People are going to hate me. But no, I appreciate it, and I do, and we're doing, like, kind of urban hiking. Me and Sarah and her sister have been doing these long walks every day around the neighborhood, so I'm trying to continue to do, watch a a lot of new great movies and shoot videos and try to, and I'm trying to do a new career that I always wanted. I'm like, I've always wanted to write a book and write a movie, so I'm like, let me work on these things. Um, Oh, Dude. So I'm trying to make the best of it, but it's definitely, um, I miss my steam room and I miss,
0: I miss hotels. I like being in hotels. I miss, I, I miss, uh, a steam, I don't like a gym, but like a steam room. We have a little list and it's just like the kids stuff, but it's all the things they want to do after the quarantine. And, uh, it's a real cute thing. And they've done it. We were up to like 16 or 17 things. And then as I was writing something yesterday, I was like, I feel like I should do one of these for whatever mental exercise of just, hey, when this is all over, I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to go to a basketball game, probably not for 10 years, but I'll go get a massage or whatever the thing would be. I don't have a thing right now. Um, right now, it would just be uh, get away from these people. Yeah.
1: But I think you should do it. And they should do a gratitude list too, a nice gratitude list. And uh, everyone should do that. Things we're gra- grateful for. And um, yeah, yeah, there's still things. And we're still alive. We're, you know, that's better than the alternative.
0: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm kidding
1: alright well let's let's, uh, let's wrap it up but then we can we can, we can still talk on the
0: uh, I feel, can I say one on thing, thing before you wrap it up uh, I love my kids so much I feel so bad I said get away from these I went for a bit and uh, it hurt my soul uh, I, I, the, the best thing about it is like being around my kids so much even though I do yell and get mad sometimes it's uh, without my kids there would be nothing it's I'm so excited I got the best kids in the world and I felt like it was a shitty joke I thought it was a, I thought it was a good joke and um I think I think you're good. <laughs> well, uh what do you want to plug plug your podcast? Uh we do a podcast called the local news. It's just uh news that won't make you sad. And that's the whole point. And um we've started where we'll do like if anybody has a local business that's doing delivery, like we don't we're not doing ads. So I'm just like uh if you if there's a business that delivers that you want to plug, tweet at us and we'll plug your your sandwich shop or your coffee shop, people that need to stay open and plug. And, uh, you know, we have, it's just a fun little pod to uh, make people happy. Yeah,
1: that sounds great. Yeah,
0: we're trying to do a similar thing uh,
1: with this, of trying to help people, you know, try to be of service. And you're somebody, I think that's of service. You're donating money and you're doing that with the podcast, which is all very good things to do. And... Um, your comedy is a great gift. Everyone should check out Tommy's albums: Stand Up Comedy, Stand Up Comedy Two, and Stand Up Comedy Three. Is that it? Three of them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So check those out, and I'll do a big plug in the beginning. I'll talk about how great you are. I like to do that. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, well, thanks for doing the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And sorry, it was so long. I, I, I hope that um, it'll it'll bring me joy to think that you're really. <sighs> Worried that this went poorly for like weeks. Um, <laughs> I will be. Yeah, everyone, everyone, write to One. Tommy and tell him how great <laughs> this was. Um. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm signing off, but I'll leave. We'll keep talking in real life. All right. Um. All right. Thank Uh-oh. you.
0: Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List, produced by Joe List, edited by Matt Kleinschmidt, executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.